I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for people who have musical talent that are willing to serve in that capacity to lead us in worship. I'm so thankful. Thank you so much, choir. And, and these, these guys and ladies that play instruments, man, that's just humbling, man. That's amazing. That number one, they can do it. Number two, that they'd be willing to lead us in it. So I appreciate you guys. Thank y'all. And thank you, Miss Laura. That was a good word. I appreciate it. Have you ever planned anything? All right. Very good. Have you ever planned anything? Planning something in advance, kind of, kind of getting it ready. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody in here, at least the patriarchs, the matriarchs, you've planned ahead, right? For something, you know, that's, is that, is, is that more fun to you or stressful? Just, just throw it out. Just holler out. Stressful or fun? Okay. Mostly fun. That's good. That's good. Have you ever planned, have you ever planned a surprise? Like, like a total surprise. Like you planned a surprise for somebody and they didn't know nothing about it. Like they, they knew nothing about it. You know what I'm talking about? Now that, see, I love surprises. I don't like being surprised. I love surprising others. That's very, very like double standard. I know. I get it. But I love planning surprises. And don't get your hopes up. I don't have a surprise plan for you today. Or else I wouldn't be telling you about it. Duh. You know? So, but you love planning surprises. It's one of those things where like, you, 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 first of all, you got to plan it all out in your mind, right? You got to figure out what you're going to do, how you're going to do it. And then you start working through the details, you know, every little detail to make sure this is in place and this is in place and this is in place. But we got to make sure we do this before we do this in order for this to happen. Y'all following me? Pretend like you are. All right. So this is, this is how you plan a surprise in case you're wondering. And then after you start getting some things in place, getting some things locked in, that nervous energy takes over of like, man, but, but what if they find out? Like, like what if somebody tells, which is why you never tell anybody a good surprise, right? But then what if, what if they find something or what if, what if they, what if they figure something out and then you start getting nervous. It's like, but I was planning this really cool thing and I, I wanted them to enjoy it. Cause if they don't know about it, they're going to really enjoy it, get the benefit of it. And then it happens and they don't find out about it. And it's great, isn't it? Yes. I just wanted to get excited. It's okay to be excited this morning. It's great. It's absolutely fantastic uh, to get, just pull something off that you plan ahead that you've been working on and the details work out and then boom, it happens and it's great. We're kind of talking about that today to a degree. Not the surprise part, but just the whole planning and getting something ready that people didn't see coming. So I'm going to invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians, if you will. 1 Corinthians, we're going to be in chapter 11 this morning. I invite you to turn with your Bible to there. This morning, we're going to be looking at the Lord's Supper uh, because we're going to be partaking the Lord's Supper. I'm not really good at at like trying to put a facade up because they're they're very see-through. So I'm just going to be honest with you the way I was honest with the deacons, okay? And I'm sorry if this is going to burst your bubble. This is like my first time to ever do the Lord's Supper, like from this point of it. I'm probably going to mess something up here in the next little bit, like I'm going to hand out, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm probably going to get something wrong. So I'm just letting y'all know in advance. Sorry uh, if you're offended by it, but you know, like for the last 48 hours, I've just been sitting there running through my head, like making sure I can hand, hand off to somebody. It's a big deal. You know, just telling you to be honest, don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to have a good time doing it. Okay. Uh, so that'd be good. And you're sitting there thinking like, man, that dude's crazy. And then they put that big silver tray right in front of you. And you're like, 
oh good, it's out of my hands. Thank the Lord. You know, you know what I'm talking about. So in a little bit, we'll all agree in the, yeah. I get to carry four at a time there. <laughs> so I'm just letting you know, being frank with you, hey, what happened there? I want us to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 as we look at the Lord's Supper before we partake in the Lord's Supper. And we're going to start in verse 23 this morning of chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. Paul's writing, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And a little bit later, we're going to read a few more verses on down. But I want us to kind of focus and deal with this element of this passage. And, and when we look at the Lord's Supper, you can go back to Matthew and Mark and Luke and see how it actually took place and how it unfolded. Uh, but I wanted us to look at this passage of Scripture because it kind of gives us, in retrospect, the big picture of what took place that night. And as we per- can prepare to partake in the Lord's Supper. I want us, too, to have a healthy heart's perspective of what we are about to be a part of. See, the Lord's Supper is um, kind of one of the, well, the big deals we practice in Baptist life is, is recognizing the Lord's Supper as a symbolism of, of the sacrifice Jesus paid for the forgiveness of sins. What Jesus had to endure, what it cost him in order for us to be considered co-heirs with Christ. So it's not just, all right, let's do this. And it it can become kind of a a routine if we're not careful. So I want us to just kind of biblically let God's word speak for itself of what we're about to be a part of. That even though we weren't in that upper room that night, we are still symbolically a part of what Jesus did. Did And there's three things that we're going to look at today that points to kind of personifying what the Lord's Supper was. Three things we're going to look at. And the first one is this. The Lord's Supper was personal. The Lord's Supper was personal. And when we say personal, I want you to understand that it was personal on both sides of the coin. The first thing I want us to see, it was personal for Jesus. It was personal for Jesus. We've seen in scripture before, before the upper room took place, we saw Jesus doing something similar to this, didn't we? Remember when he fed the 5,000 and he said, hey, well, what do we got to feed them with? Because the people like, disciples like, dude, we can't feed this many people. He's like, well, what do we got? He's like, we got five loaves and two fish. And he said, well, bring it to me. And he brings it to him. And what do we see Jesus do? Audience participation time. He breaks the bread. He breaks the bread. But what does he do before he breaks the bread? He gives thanks. What does he do in this passage of scripture? When you go and you look in the upper room, when he took the bread, it said he gave thanks and then he broke the bread. He broke the bread because back then they didn't have like knives where they sliced it. You didn't get a a loaf of sliced bread. You broke the bread, broke it, passed it. They broke it. They passed it. That's how you did. That's what it looked like then. So when we see this, at that time it was, he gave thanks and broke the bread and fed the 5,000 plus the women and children. Here we see him do something a little different. We see him give thanks, we see him break the bread, and then he makes it very personal. He says, this is my body. See, he took it a step further than they had seen him do it before. He didn't just give thanks, break bread, distribute. He, broke, he gave thanks, broke bread, 
and then specifically looked at his disciples and said, guys, this is my body. What does that mean? What does it mean when we see that Jesus gave thanks? I want us to understand that, again, we don't need to uh, attribute what we do with what Jesus did. Uh, Jesus did things a little differently than you and I, in case you're unaware of it, but he did it in such a way so that we would have an example that we would follow in to see how we too can be a part of allowing God to receive the glory in our lives. But when you look at this text and when you look in the text where he fed the 5,000, it says Jesus gave thanks. What was he giving thanks for? Yes, I believe Jesus was giving thanks for what God had provided, but Jesus was about to feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Jesus was giving thanks not just for what God had provided, but for the opportunity to give glory back to God for what was about to take place. What is a beautiful way of demonstration of your faith? Some people have have, have had conversations like, I just want ways to try to grow my faith. Grow your faith in this way. Thank God for the opportunities he's about to present to you. Because in doing so, you're acknowledging your willingness to be obedient in those opportunities. And that's what Jesus did when he fed the 5,000. God, thank you for this bread that you've provided. And thank you for how you're about to glorify your name through what's about to take place. Fast forward a few days later to the upper room and it's the same concept. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. So it's very personal for him. This wasn't just a break and distribute. No, guys, this is my body. Can you imagine it? I'm a visual thinker. I try to imagine what it looked like. Can you imagine Jesus as he stood or however posture he took before his disciples had the bread? And he said, guys, this is this bread. This is my body. This is a representative of my body. And he didn't say, so I will break it and give it. No. They're looking at this loaf, thinking the body of Christ, and then he broke it. Guys, there was a message in what he was doing, not in just what he was saying. He broke the bread. Guys, this is my body. And then what did he do? He gave it to them, and what did they do? They broke the bread and passed it. They broke the bread, passed it, broke the bread, passed it. And, and guys, you really want to really get an awe-inspiring moment. All of this little moment of God reps, this is my body, he breaks it. He starts with giving thanks to God. When we approach the upper room, when we approach the Lord's Supper, when we approach what the elements represent, understand this. The first thing that Jesus did was thank God for the glory that he had the privilege of giving back to the Father by what was about to happen. It reminds us of Hebrews 12 too. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God was really good, but understanding that he endured the cross and scorning its shame, that had to take place. This is the eve of the crucifixion. This is the night before the crucifixion. He could have easily just said, you know what, we're just going to have some downtime. We're just going to have some chill time. You know what, we're going to go around the room, share our name, our birthday, and our favorite flavor of cake, and we're just going to have some hangout time as bros before it all goes down tomorrow. No, he wanted to take that opportunity with the men that he had been leading and said, hey, for the next little while, I want you to really dial in here with me, guys, because I want you to know something. First of all, I want to give thanks to God for what's about to happen that he's about to receive the glory for. 
It will cost me greatly. But God, thank you. I'm just going to ask you this question. We hit the pause button on that for a moment. What are some areas in your life that you have the opportunity to give, the God, to give God the glory for, but you know it's going to cost you something? And that's why you haven't done it. That's why you haven't stepped forward in obedience to do what you know God has placed on your heart. What are areas in your life, dads, husbands, that you can give God the glory for in your family, but you know it might make, they might look at me weird. They might say something. You're worried about what it's going to cost you. Parents, what is it going to cost you to be godly parents for your children to see the evidence of God's word in your life? Well, I mean, for me to do this, they're going to know all the areas that I'm not obedient in the Lord. And I'm not sure if I can walk away from that so that they can see this. You're giving up the opportunity to give God glory because it's going to cost you something. Here we have Jesus, the night before he's crucified, giving God thanks for the opportunity to give him glory. For the breaking of his body. And when we talk about his body broken, I'm not just talking about, yeah, he had a bad day. We're talking broken, bleeding, spit upon, slapped punched, scourged, whipped, lashed. That's what was on Jesus' mind. He said, guys, this, this, this piece of bread right here representing my body. And because of the symbolism that we see here, we see the sin of every man. Therefore, the sin of humanity is what broke the body. And they were saying, I have a part in this. I have a part in this. In a few minutes, when we pass this off and when we take the bread, it's represented that our sin played a part in the brokenness. So he, he was broken for our sin. So when we take this element of the bread, we see what it represents and why it has to happen this way. And Jesus himself gave thanks for that. That's more than I can take in about the fact of where have I said no to God in giving him glory? Because I'm scared of what it's going to cost me. But he didn't just stop there. It wasn't just that, that the Lord's Supper was personal. It was personal for Jesus in the sense that it was his broken body. It was personal for us because it was our sin that led to the brokenness of Christ. This wasn't just something far-fetched and far no, removed from us. This was our personal participation in the brokenness of the body of Christ. Because if it wasn't for the sin of humanity, even if it was just mine, his body would have still been broken. Even if it was just yours, his body would have still been broken and he still would have said thank you. Even if it was just you. But it wasn't just that the Lord's Supper was personal. The Lord's Supper was prophetic. Prophetic, like prophecy. Don't think I'm saying pathetic, okay? The Lord's Supper was prophetic. Because when we see in this text, when we see that he takes the cup, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it and remember of me. He's pointing back to a passage that we see. Jesus was the fulfillment of Scripture, guys. We see how Jesus fulfilled Scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, over and over and over again. In this passage, when he's referencing the new covenant, we look at Jeremiah 31. Verses 31 through 34, if you want to write that down, if you want to flip there quickly, that's fine. I'm going to read it for you. Jeremiah 31 says this. It says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. 
It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they all will know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. See, the Old Testament, they were given the law. They were given the law in the time of Moses. Larry did an excellent job of laying that out for us last week and what that looked like. But you know what? They still broke the law. God said, man, I even wrote it in stone and they broke the covenant. They broke the law I have with me. So I guess I'm going to have to write it in blood. In which Jesus takes the cup and the night before and the symbolic of the cup. And he says, this cup is the new covenant. The old covenant has been broken. The old covenant was standards in which no human could ever live up to. But this is the new covenant. It's not written in stone. It's written in blood. So that you might know my love for you through the forgiveness of sins. So that I will be their God and they will be my people. I will remember their sins no more. If you remember the Old Testament, the way they dealt with sin was because they had to have some type of sacrifice. See, the sacrifice took place so that their sin, the blame for their sin, would be passed on to something of innocence so their sin would be atoned for. So when we see in the Old Testament people recognizing their sin, dealing with the weight of their sin, they would find an unblemished animal. And they would basically, in a, we'll get into it in another sermon, they would pass their sins off to the animal. The animal was slain. A blood offering had to be shed for the covering of sin. It was just the blame of the sin that was passed along to the animal. The wrath of sin that was passed on. There had to be a blood sacrifice. Jesus himself says, this is the new covenant that you would experience the forgiveness of your sins because of the blood sacrifice of a perfect offering the lord's supper itself was prophetic in the sense that it fulfilled the prophecy that the blood of christ would cover the sins of the world so that we could be united with god the father but it wasn't just that the lord's supper was personal it wasn't just the lord's supper was prophetic if we look at this text you see the third thing that i want to point out to you is that the lord's supper is very pointed the lord's supper was very pointed Because the Lord's Supper was all about Jesus. All about Jesus. Look what it says. Look what he says. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Well, right there, Justin, it says this is for you. All right. Grammar Nazis coming out. For you is a prepositional phrase. It's also in the predicate part of the sentence, which means it's the object in which it's receiving the glory. But what is that which is doing the action? What is that which is initiating everything? Jesus. Jesus said, I give my body. I give my blood. And if that wasn't enough, he follows it up at the end of both things. And he says, what? Do this in remembrance of me. The Lord's Supper is a very pointed time, a very pointed opportunity for us as the church to worship him simply for him. 
You know, I, I go through these ups and downs, these hilltops and valleys, these experiences with Christ where I get to the point where a lot of times in my prayer life, it just turns into I'm coming to God because I want something. I'm coming to God because I need him to do something great in my life. I'm coming to God. I'm coming to God ultimately because of my agenda. When was the last time you went to God because he's God? When was the time you put everything you wanted or everything you thought you needed, just set it off to the side and say, God, right now I come before you because you are God, creator of heaven and earth, author of love, forming me in my mother's womb, made in your image. You are God, and I come before you now because I want to give you praise. That's what the Lord's Supper is designed for. For us to stop, for us to put everything else aside, and for us to sit down and focus on Jesus. It was all about Jesus. It was for the followers of Jesus. Remember, he says, This is my body, which is for you. That's the part where you were kind of arguing with me in your head a few minutes ago. This is for, it was for the followers of Jesus. It was done for the purpose for the people to focus on Jesus. Do this in remembrance of me. Here in the next little bit, when, when we pass this out and we symbolically participate in this Lord's Supper thing, it is a time for us to focus solely on Christ. To focus on the fact that what these elements represent, the brokenness of Christ's body, the new covenant in the form of his blood, so that our sins would be forgiven and that we might profess him as Savior and Lord. He did this the night before his death. Jesus in this room doing these things. The disciples didn't really have a clue because they weren't picking up on what Jesus had been talking about in the weeks prior, leading up to this. He did this the night before his death and on his mind was exactly what he was going to have to go through. But at the same time, there was a joy because on the other side of that, to be welcomed and seated at the right hand of God, to take his place as magnified as he should have been, there was a joy in that. Verses 27 and 28 say this. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Everyone ought to examine themselves. That we see this Lord's Supper is personal, it's prophetic, it's pointed towards Christ. And before we even step up to the table, before we are even handed the elements for us to examine ourselves and say, God, am I where I need to be in order to give you the glory that you deserve for what you did for me? So I'm just asking you the question, where are you at? Where are you right now? Where's your relationship with God the Father right now? Matter of fact, I'm going to ask you to do this. As our men come to prepare the the table, I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. And I just want us to take a few minutes to do exactly what the scriptures have commanded us to do. I want us to take a few minutes to examine ourselves, maybe even to ask God to show us some things. You know, the Lord's Supper... When it comes time to participate in the Lord's Supper, it's, it's not always for everyone. Now, the forgiveness of sins, the abundance of the fullness of the grace of God is for everyone. It's freely offered to everyone. But even those who have accepted Christ and profess Him as Savior and Lord, 
And even then, we need to spend some time to get our hearts right. Because I tell you this, to participate in the Lord's Supper, it starts by being a part of something that has changed your life. If you're a follower of Christ, you are welcome to participate in the Lord's Supper today. Even if you're not a member of this church, but you're a member of the body of Christ, you're welcome to participate in the Lord's Supper with us today. But I encourage you during this time, maybe you need to just stop and think. I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. Are you dealing with unrepentant sin, unconfessed sin that you know is separating, standing between you and God? It's kind of hindered your relationship. Now is the time to spend some time with the Father and lay that out. Are you dealing with with malice or, or anger towards somebody else? Because if we're going to gather and celebrate the forgiveness offered through Christ, but yet we refuse to forgive others, then then what the word says, we're bringing a curse upon our bodies in that. That we're sinning in that. So I'm just going to invite you that if that's you and you're dealing with anger towards somebody, even if they're in this room, that you, you get up and go make it right. Well, Justin, somebody might see me. Yeah, and they'll see it's for the glory of God. Maybe you just need to step out and make a phone call and forgive someone or ask forgiveness of someone. To examine ourselves, to put the full focus on Christ. If we're dealing with sin, if we're dealing with these issues that we're harboring and haven't brought before the Lord, how can we fully focus on Christ? So I'm going to invite you over the next few minutes to just spend time focusing on God the Father, asking Him to show you areas in your life that you need to trust Him with so that as we come together... And celebrate and remember what Christ has done. Our sin being a part of the brokenness of his body. The blood that established a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. That we come focused on who he is and what he has done. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that even the night before you sacrificed your son on the cross, that his focus was still on giving you glory for what you were about to do. God, I thank you that that the Lord's Supper was a very personal moment for Jesus, and for those of us who are in Christ, it should be a very personal moment for us that That you would be willing to sacrifice such greatness so that we might be forgiven of sin. That our sin ended there on the cross so that we might have fellowship with you through Christ. God, I ask now that as we participate in this, that you would help us examine our lives and to spotlight the areas in our life that we are not trusting you. God, that we are not being obedient in. And God, if that means we need to let the elements pass by us, that we do so obediently. That we're not doing so uh, worried about what the people around us will think or say, but we do so because that's what you've called us to do, God. And, And whatever it takes for us to get our hearts right before you, that we would do so in order that we may celebrate the forgiveness of sins through Christ. The brokenness, the new covenant. So God, even in the next few moments as we continue to worship you through this symbolic remembrance that we would do so in remembrance of Christ in obedience to who you've called us and created us to be. It's through your son's name we pray. Amen.